You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, again, this is week number five of our series called Psalm 91, God's Promise of Protection. And uh, let me tell you again, just to remind you how this series came about and uh, following the events of uh, last month in Texas where, uh, you know, the terrible shooting took place in Uvalde, Texas, I went to the Lord in prayer and uh, was just praying about it. My heart was heavy because of those events and uh, the Lord clearly spoke to me and he said this, let me read it just so I don't misquote him. He said, no parent of mine, talking about a parent that is uh, a child of God, that is a believer, should have to live in fear where sending your child to school is concerned. And he said, so teach them, teach the people what my word says in Psalm 91 about my promise of protection, of divine protection, and how they can live in it. So God wants us to live in his divine protection. So say this after me. Say, I will, I will live in God's divine protection. Amen. So we began looking, and we, of course this series is based on Psalm 91. So I want to read Psalm 91 in its entirety and verses 1 through 16. And by the way, I gave you a homework assignment. Hopefully uh, you've been doing it. If you, if you haven't, that's okay. It's not too late. It's never too late to start with the Word. And so I encourage you, read this psalm every day. Read through it every day. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. And it says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. Can you say that too? Amen. For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his pinions and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in or stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be, you yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall you nor any plague or calamity come near your tent or your house. For he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. That's the key right there. Then they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, this is God talking, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name. 
He has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness. He trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Aren't you glad for those 16 verses of promise that God has given us? Now, what I, I want to encourage you to do, you know, it'd be real easy to kind of dismiss that and say, well, you know, that's, that was written, you know, thousands of years ago. That's in the Bible. I understand that. But how is it really applicable today? It, the, the, what you need to understand, especially about this psalm, is it's relevant even today as it was the day that it was written. All of the things that are in there are applicable today. And if we will dare to do what it takes, you know, the Bible says, he that dwells. So, so if we choose to dwell and abide in the presence of God and obey him, then all these promises belong to us. And so what the Lord led us to do in to kind of bring a conclusion to this series is we've been talking about the ministry of angels I have never in all the years been pastoring our church taught on angels per se. I've mentioned, mentioned them, and, and uh, you know, but I just haven't really took some time and focused on them, and I felt led to do that as part of this particular series. So let me just remind you what verses 11 and 12 say in that particular psalm, for he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in a few of your ways. How many? How many? All of them. So he will give them a special charge over you to accompany. See, you need to understand, you have angels that go with you everywhere you go. They defend, they preserve you in all of your ways of obedience and service. They bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. So again, I encourage you, especially last week, go back and listen to the message last week because I just don't have time to uh, rehearse the points that we talked about last week. There are a couple of things that I do want to say that piggyback onto what we ended with last week. And let's look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. The writer of Hebrews asks a question. He says, referring to angels, he says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So what I want you to see there is, first of all, you are a, an heir of salvation. Didn't you inherit salvation because of what Jesus did for you? You know, he paid the price for us. So you are qualified for this. And notice what it says, they're sent forth to minister for those. Now, it's great when they minister to you, but it's awesome when they minister for you. And so you have that ability. And what we talked about, or that, that privilege rather, and what we talked about last week is the, the difference between the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. The Bible says that we are under a better covenant established upon better promises. So here's one of the better promises so under the old covenant, angels were assigned by God only to do what he says, his bidding, okay? Under the new covenant, 
Angels have been assigned to work with believers who will use and stand on and obey the word of God. So here's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The authority, or uh, maybe that's not the proper word, but uh, that's the only word I could think of. Their authority has been transferred to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Let's look at Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21. We looked at this last week. So the psalmist wrote, David wrote, and he said, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength. Aren't you glad they're strong? They're not weak. Who do his word, and notice this, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Now, I highlighted the, the phrase, heeding the voice of the word, because in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, the word voice there doesn't mean the, the physical sound that's produced by God's word. It means the tone or... Um, the, the, I'm struggling to find a word to describe it, but maybe if I get into it a little bit more, you'll, you'll, you'll grasp it. But, but it means it's deeper than just the vibrating of vocal cords, okay? In other words, it means the tenor, the timber of God's voice, all right? Are you listening to me? Okay, listen carefully, okay? So notice it says, that they excel in strength who do his word, heeding the sound of his word. L let me compare it to you this way. If you have a family member that's real close to you and that family member calls you on the phone, for instance, when my mother calls me on the phone, if I don't have a chance to, you know, to look at my phone and see clearly who it is, if I answer the phone and I hear her voice, I don't have to say, after 58 years, who is this? I know her voice. I know what her voice sounds like. Okay? Now, here's what, what this Old Testament verse is telling us is that the angels know what the word, what the voice of God sounds like. In other words, when they hear that voice, they don't have to say, who is this? Okay? Now listen to me carefully, all right? So if you're taking notes, here's where I want you to start writing some things down. Here we go. Angels are assigned to heed the voice of God's word. Now what's interesting is when you have the written word of God, there's no sound to it physically, okay, right? But when the written word of God is put into the mouth of a believer when a believer speaks it in the spirit, it sounds no different than if God spoke it. Okay? So when you stand up and you say, I'm a new creation in Christ, because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that. When you stand up and say that, and you make that declaration in the realm of the spirit, it sounds as if God is declaring that over you because it's right out of his word, okay? All right, so here's what I want you to see. When you speak God's word, 
You are speaking for God in his place. When angels hear that word come forth from your mouth, they respond to the voice, the sound, the tenor of God's word. Okay? Now, write this down, please. When we pray God's word, angels hear that and seek to carry out the word that was prayed about. That's why you need to be praying the word of God. You don't need to, I mean, it's okay to pray certain things, you know, pour your heart out before God and, and those types of things. Nothing wrong with that. But there's something different in the spirit when you pray the word of God over your life because in the spirit, it sounds as if God is speaking. And when you need to understand something, when God talks, you remember the old E.F. Hutton commercials? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen, okay? Listen, when God talks, there's stuff that happens, okay? And so angels, you remember the verse said that angels are, are, are purposed to listen for and heed the voice of God's word. So when you pray the word of God, you give them something to work with. See, when, we, when we're sitting around complaining and murmuring about, you know, how high gas is, and that's something to complain about, okay? If you want to complain about something, that's something to complain about, although you shouldn't, you know, or how expensive stuff is, those types of things, you know, how crazy the economy is and whatnot. See, when all you do is you talk about that, your angels have to step back and, and fold their hands and wait, because you're giving them nothing to work with. And, but if you say this, you know, gas is high, but thank God my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Guess what? You've now given them something to work with. Okay? All right, now, notice again, when we pray God's word, angels hear that and seek to carry out the word that was prayed about. Now, let me show you some scriptures from Daniel chapter 10. Now, this is a time in Daniel's life when he was being challenged and persecuted. Uh, Daniel was a Hebrew young man that was carried away captive to Babylon and was working in the house of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, you might have heard about the other three Hebrew sons that were with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, all of them were serving in the king's kingdom under captivity. And uh, so he was challenged in, told, and told that he could not pray and worship God. And he refused to bow his knee to that. And so the Bible says that he began to pray and he began to seek the face of God. Now, one reference says that if you recall, uh, and this is where we get our, our model for the 21 days of fasting and prayer. Daniel prayed 21 days. Okay, now let's look and see what happened. Suddenly, the scripture says, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palm of palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have now been sent to you. Now, let me make a little side comment. 
If you'll recall, I mentioned to you that often in the Old Testament, there will be a reference to the angel of the Lord. You remember me saying that? A great example of this is anybody ever heard of Moses and the burning bush? Okay. Well, if you read the scripture, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Now, here's the difference that in oftentimes in the Old Testament, when it would make a reference to the angel of the Lord, it was what we call in theological circles a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus. In other words, Jesus in his form of deity before he took upon himself flesh and became the, the human son of God, he oftentimes would visit the earth and it would say the angel of the Lord. Now, there are other references in the Old Testament which say an angel of the Lord, and it would be different. Now, here's how you tell the difference. The angel of the Lord, meaning the Lord Jesus, would allow people to worship him. If you remember, you remember when Moses encountered the angel of the Lord in the burning bush? What did the angel tell him or what, did, what was spoken to him out of the burning bush? Take off your shoes for this place is holy. And so Moses was encouraged and allowed to worship the angel out of the burning bush. Why? Because it was a manifestation of God himself. All right? Are, are you following me? Now, notice in this situation, in Daniel, he's already on his hands and knees. He's in a position of, of humility and worship. And what does the angel tell him to do? Stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. In other words, do not worship me. I have been sent to give you a message. Okay, so that's a difference. All right, so let's go on. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Well, I guess so. <laughs> I think if I ever saw one, I might tremble a little bit too, all right? Now, notice what the angel told him. He said, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God. Now, pay close attention to this last two phrases. Your words were heard. Heard where? In heaven. You need to understand something. When you pray and you pray the word of God and you pray from a heart of faith, your words are heard in heaven. Somebody says, you know, sometimes I pray, Pastor, and it doesn't feel like my prayers go any higher than the ceiling. That might be how it feels, but that's not the truth. The truth is heaven hears your prayers. Now notice what happened. He said, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, I want you to, to understand something. Notice the angel did not say, I have been sent to you from heaven by God to give you a message. Now, we saw that with Gabriel appearing to Mary. You remember that? Okay. Notice what the angel said. Now, pay attention to details. He said, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words, not heaven's words. Now, what does that mean? 
that heaven responded to Daniel's prayers and angelic assistance was dispatched, not because of a command of God, but because of the very words that Daniel spoke. Now, can I be very real with you? Daniel was an Old Testament believer. He was not born again. You are a born again believer. So if heaven heard his words and heaven responded to his words and angelic assistance was sent because of his words, how much more, <clears throat> excuse me, than a blood washed born again believer that declares God's word gets heaven's attention and heaven responds to your words and things happen. Okay, maybe you'll get more enthusiastic in just a minute. All right, now, can I say something to you? Now, we are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in speaking in other tongues. Now, I'm going to say something to you, and I want you to hear it in its entirety, okay? Let me read it exactly like I wrote it. Praying in other tongues is powerful and necessary with the right application and the right time. But when you know the word on a certain situation and you choose to pray in tongues instead of praying the word, that's lazy. Are, are you listening to me? Because here's what we do. We have a tendency just because... Maybe we don't know what the Word says, and instead of finding out what the Word says, or, you know, we just maybe don't feel like it or whatever, we just break out in tongues. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, and there is a time for that. When you don't know how to pray as you ought, Romans 8 says, that we can pray in the Spirit. But when you know what the Word says, you need to pray the Word. Okay? Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray the word when the need arises. Somebody says, but pastor, I don't know what to pray. Okay, find out what to pray. Do a little homework and find out what to pray. Okay, now here, write this down, please. When you have scripture, the most powerful prayer that you can pray is when you let the power of God's word come out of your mouth. Okay, I think sometimes we underestimate the power that's backing God's word. All of heaven backs God's word. God himself backs his word. The scripture says in, in Psalms, he said, I have exalted my word even above my name. You make so much power available. Now, it's not necessarily because you're saying it. It's because of what you're saying that makes that power available. I think sometimes if we could ever get a glimpse into the realm of the Spirit and we could see some stuff that happens, I think it would change our thinking. It would, it would change our lives totally. Uh, you know, and I know why God doesn't do that. He does it because He, he doesn't do it because he wants us to operate in these things by faith. He wants us to operate in these things believing 
that change is happening, believing that heaven is responding, even when we don't see anything happening or responding. Amen? Now, the most powerful thing in the universe, now listen to me carefully, is now coming out of your mouth. The word of God being spoken by you coming out of your mouth becomes the most powerful thing in the universe because listen, the reason by that or for that is because now you are in 100% agreement with God. Now, you know, Jesus gave us the scripture in Matthew 18. He said that if any two of you shall agree on earth, it shall be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. That's when you and I agree. What do you think happens when you start getting in agreement with God? Well, I think maybe you'll have to pull off the road on the way home because it's going to hit you on the way home, all right? Now, I want to talk about, and, and on your notes, your handout, you'll notice uh, that, that I had blanks and then scripture references. And it's only because I could not fit all of those scriptures on there. Now, we're going to read them, but I, I, I want you to have them, and then you can go and follow up and read them for yourself later on. Now, before we answer the question, what do angels do? I want to say this, and I, I want you to write this down, please. We do not seek angelic assistance. We seek God's help by faith in his word. Angels just happen to be the agents that God uses. So in other words, what I'm saying to you is, don't go home and start fasting and praying, believing to see an angel, to have an angel come visit you, to see some type of manifestation of angels and that type of thing. Because here's what will happen. You will get accommodated, but it won't be from heaven. Do you remember the scripture? We touched on it last week where the scripture says that even Satan can appear as an angel of light. When you start seeking after those things, that's like praying and asking God, God, let me just hear your audible voice. You know, and you start fasting and praying. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you something, and I know this from personal experience. I know of people that have done that and they have lost their minds because that is not what we're supposed to pray and ask God for. And what happens is, that you will start hearing some voices, but they will not be from heaven, and people get messed up in that, all right? So, so listen, I, it, it, what I want you to understand is, yes, we believe in angelic assistance. Yes, we believe the word promises that, but keep your eyes on God and his word. Don't seek how God carries it out. Are, are you following me? Okay, I don't want you to get tripped up in this. All right, so let's, let's answer the questions. What do angels do? So here's number one. There's seven things primarily that they do. Number one, they bring deliverance. They bring deliverance, okay? They bring deliverance. Now let's look at some stories from the New Testament that back this up. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. Verses 17 through 25, okay? Eight verses, nine verses. It says, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, 
which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in prison. So this is Peter and, and John. Notice what happens though. So they were put in prison, verse 19. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the door, the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I like that. The angel brought them out of prison and then said, hey, keep doing what you're doing. Okay. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside the doors. Now get this, the angels went in, delivered the apostles, brought them out without the guards being disturbed or the doors opening. That's awesome. Okay. All right. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them saying, look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Guess what? They went and did exactly what they were told to do. Keep doing what you're doing. So what happens is that these, uh, the apostles, Peter and John, were put into prison. The angel showed up, delivered them, brought them out, didn't disturb the guards, didn't open the, the doors. I don't understand that, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. And they, then the, the apostles, you know, what we would have done as soon as we got out of the jail, we would have said, feet, don't fail me now. I'll see you later. Okay, no, they just walked down the road, went back to the temple and started preaching and teaching again. The very thing that put them in jail to begin with. All right, so angels bring deliverance. Here's number two. Angels provide guidance. Angels provide guidance. Now there's a story in Acts chapter eight about Philip the evangelist who had been ministering and um, he was on his way down to another part to go and minister. And it says this in Acts 8, 26 and 27. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So Philip arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, if you go on and read the rest of the story, Philip ends up ministering the word of God, preaching the gospel to this man. The man gets saved. Philip baptizes him. And this is where when Philip and he were in the water and Philip baptizes him. And as he's coming up out of the water, Philip is caught away by the Holy Spirit and is in a whole nother city preaching the gospel at the flash of a light. Okay, now here's what I want you to see, something very important. Angels cannot preach the gospel. They cannot. Because think about this for just a moment. Why did an angel have to appear to Philip, tell him to go down the road, meet this Ethiopian, so that 
Philip could minister the gospel to him to get him saved. Why couldn't the angel just appear to the Ethiopian and get him saved himself? Because angels aren't allowed to minister and preach the gospel. The only thing they can do is facilitate a human being preaching the gospel. Okay? You'll see that again. <clears throat> All right, so notice the guidance that Philip was given was arise, go towards the south along the road. And, and so he was given those instructions and he obeyed. And of course, the man ended up getting born again. Here's the next three, thing that's number three that's closely related to this. And that is this, that angels give instructions. Not only do they provide guidance, but they give instructions. Now, in Acts chapter 10, there was a man uh, who was a, a leader. He was an officer in the Roman army whose name was Cornelius. Now, there are some theologians that believe that this is the same centurion that came to Jesus during Jesus' ministry and whose servant was sick and Jesus healed his servant. Uh, this is also, there's mention of him where he loved the Jewish people so much that he built them a synagogue in, the, in a particular town. And, and many theologians believe that this is referring to the same guy. Now, this is when uh, the, the whole uh, uproar was going on about the gospel being preached to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. Uh, the apostles first started out and they thought that the gospel was only supposed to be preached to the Jews and God had to straighten them out and tell them, no, it's for everybody. And so in Acts chapter 10, verses one through eight, it says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God and all his household, who gave alms generously, gave offerings to the people and prayed to God always. Now, about the ninth hour, this is three o'clock in the afternoon of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. So an angel appears to Cornelius. And when Cornelius observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And so the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial for God. Okay, I'm just prompted to say something here. You need to understand that when people that aren't born again, but that are good people that are trying to do right and they might pray, God still hears their prayers. Okay? All right? So listen, it says, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa. Here's the instructions and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. Okay, so the instructions were, Cornelius, send some of your guys down to go retrieve this guy named Simon Peter, told him where he was staying. Basically, can I say this to you? It's like he gave them the street number and the address. This is where you can find him, okay? Verse 7, and when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among them who's, who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now let me tell you what was going on in Joppa while this was happening. 
Peter was waiting on a meal to be prepared, went up to the roof of the house that he was staying in, and the Lord gave him a vision. This is where, you remember the sheet that came down and had all the unclean animals on it? And the Lord told Peter, said, arise and eat. And Peter said, I can't do this, Lord. All those animals are unclean. That happened three times. And finally, the Lord responded to Peter and said, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. Meaning, Peter, I want you to go and start ministering to the Gentiles. That's happening while the angel is appearing to Cornelius. So Peter, with a fresh new revelation of, I got to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, all of a sudden finds some people knocking on his door from a Gentile's house. So Peter felt free to go and minister to this Gentile. Isn't it cool how God works? Now, here's the thing that I want you to see. Again, why couldn't the angel preach to Cornelius and tell him you need to get born again and here's how? He couldn't. He had to send Peter or have those men go get Peter so Peter could come and preach the gospel to him. Are you listening to me? Okay. So notice how specific the instructions were. All right. So they provide guidance. They provide instructions. Here's number four. They answer prayer. They facilitate the answering of prayer. Okay. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Now, I want you to make a mental note of that, please. That's going to come up again in just a little bit. Herod the king had made up his mind he was going to persecute the church. Can I say this to you? Jesus takes that very personally. Now, a lot of these countries uh, that think... They're getting away with persecuting the church within their borders. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. They're not. They'll pay for it sooner or later. Okay? Let me prove to you an example. You remember a guy named Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul? You remember when he was on the road to Damascus to go and harass and arrest some more Christians? Again, like I always say, pay attention to details. When the Lord stopped him, knocked him on his rear end off his animal and said said to him, Saul, Saul, notice he did not say, why are you persecuting the church? Why are you persecuting Christians? No, he said this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus takes that very personally. Okay, now, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now this is Peter, James, and John, those three that were in the Lord's inner circle. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to further to, he preferred, proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So this was one of the feasts that's going on. So when he had arrested him, He put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but notice this, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now, I can tell you what the church was not praying was, Lord, um, nobody knows the trouble we've seen. 
Oh, Jesus. No. Can I tell you what they were praying? Lord, the gospel needs to be preached. The, this man needs to be out of prison so he can preach the gospel. Okay? Now notice what happened. Verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door who were keeping the prison. Now, I love this. Again, you have to listen and pay attention to the details. Peter knows that if God does not intervene at sunrise, it could be the end of his life. But what is he doing? Now, and notice he's chained to two guards. He's got one guard here and one guard here. And, and is he pacing the floor? Is he up night, all night worried? What am I going to do? 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 Oh, this is a big one. This one might be too hard for God. You know, I've never encountered a situation like this. You know, I had to struggle paying my due power bill one time, but man, this is much, much bigger than this. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. No, the man was asleep. I want to pose a question. I've asked myself this question. Do you think you could lay down and go to sleep when you're chained to two men, guards, and you know the next day you're fixing to die if they have their way? Sorry, that's country, okay? But you know what I mean. No, Peter knew that, it, first of all, what God's plan was, his assignment, and he knew that deliverance was coming, okay? So let's see what happened. Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and uh, the guards before the door who were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side. Now, I'm a pretty light sleeper. If somebody in the middle of the night walks into my room and turns on the light, in all likelihood, I'm going to wake up. Peter is sleeping so soundly that when the angel walked in, he had to go, hey, Peter, Peter, to wake him up. And Peter, he, he struck Peter on the side, raised him up saying, arise quickly. Now get this, his chains fell off his hands. They weren't, he didn't say, hey, you got the keys? No, the chains just fell off. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. In other words, put your coat on, get dressed, put your shoes on. And so he did. <clears throat> and he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So what happened? In verse 6, or in verse 9, and so he, sent, he went out and followed him, did not know that it, what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. He wasn't fully awake yet. You ever been woken up in the middle of the night and it took you a little bit to kind of woo, get, get where you were totally coherent? Same thing. This guy was really asleep, y'all. All right, so let's look at what happened. The angel brings him out, sets him free, and so he goes down to where he knows that there's a group of Christians gathered together, and this, I love this. I love the humor in this. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate. She got so excited when she heard Peter's voice on the other side of the gate, she didn't even open the door. She ran back in the house to tell him, hey, it's Peter. Okay, why didn't you let him in? Okay. 
But she ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate, but they said to her, you are beside yourself. Now listen, yet she kept insisting that it was so, but they said, it is his angel. Um, why would they think that if they have never experienced something like that? You ever thought about that? Is it possible that your angel could sound like you? You ever thought about that? I, I mean, I don't have scripture to say it's so, so I'm not building an angel talking doctrine, okay? I just, that's some of those things that make you go, hmm, okay? But now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. So the, the, the prayer was, remember the church was praying constantly for Peter's deliverance. What happened? The angel showed up, brought him out, set him free. Here's number five. Angels deliver judgment. Okay, angels deliver judgment. You remember me telling you about King Herod? King Herod was a very wicked king. First of all, he was a Jew. Okay, keep that in the back of your mind. He was king, but he was a very wicked man. And remember, we also wrote, wrote, read where he killed James, the brother of John. Okay, now Acts chapter 12 and verse 20 says this. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. Now on a set day, arrayed in royal apparel, Herod sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. In other words, he decided he was going to make a big speech. And the people kept shouting, listen to what they shouted, the voice of a god and not of a man. Now here's what I want you to see. And, and Herod accepted it. Now, Herod had a couple of things working against him. Number one, he persecuted Christians, tried to destroy the church, which Jesus takes personally. Remember me telling you that. He had killed an apostle, at least one. And now he had the audacity to let the people tell him he was a god. Okay, so what happened? Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. Why? Because he did not give glory to God. Now, I, want to, I just want to make sure you understand something. This man is a Jew. He knows better than to commit behavior like this. All right? Now, somebody says, well, I, did, I thought you, pastor, you always preach that God doesn't, you know, put evil on people and things like that. I, I want to suggest to you or, or, or really say to you this, that is true. But if you persist in bucking against the power of God, the kingdom of God, the will of God, sooner or later, mercy will run out on you. Okay? And you need to understand something else. There are some people in this world that are so inherently evil that there is no choice but to die for them. I remember years ago, you, you might remember this, right after the 9-11 attacks, uh, I preached 
uh, back in, in those days, uh, we were doing three services, and I was preaching the third service. And uh, so, I mean, we were all still, you know, in shock. And, and, you know, this was in a few weeks, within a few weeks of 9-11. And, of course, by this time, they had figured out who had done it and that Osama bin Laden was behind it and things like this. And I remember I stood up and, and declared, and I, I prayed this and boldly declared. I said, Father... May he be found and brought to justice or killed. And I had two women grab their purses and immediately walk out of the church. And one of the staff members went and called them outside and said, what's wrong? Well, we believe that he could be saved. Okay, yeah, he could. All right? He could be saved. But you need to understand something. That sometimes when somebody becomes so inherently evil like that, that mercy has run out for them, okay? Now, whether Osama bin Laden gave his heart to Christ before he got uh, shot and killed, you'll have to ask the SEAL team about that. I don't know. I highly doubt it, okay? So what am I saying to you is that, you know, we need to have an understanding of judgment. Can I say this to you, okay? Have you ever read in the Old Testament where the instructions to the children of Israel would be go in and wipe out this town, all of the animals, all of the livestock, burn it to the ground, kill every man, woman, boy, and girl in the city. Those were the instructions. Now, you need to understand something. God didn't just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. sorry, you're it, you tough luck. Okay, it wasn't like that at all. These people had been, God had been dealing with them for years and years and years and years. The scripture says that their iniquity had not yet run full. That's what he told Abraham. But there came a time when their iniquity ran full and God ordered their destruction. Now, why would God, who is merciful, who we know in the dispensation of grace that we live in, why would he order the killing of children? Actually, that was one of the greatest acts of mercy he could have ever done. Because when the adults got so evil and perverted in their ways and in their lifestyles, those children were doomed to grow up into that and end up just like their parents. But the scripture teaches us that when children die, they go to heaven. God wanted those children with him. He didn't want them to end up in hell like their parents were. Are you following me? Okay, I just, I, you know, my responsibility as a pastor is to teach you the whole counsel of God. Okay, well, I can tell this is real exciting to you also. Let's go on to the next one. All right, number six. <laughs> Just pray you never have to receive, be on the receiving end of number five. All right, number six is that they will deliver a word of knowledge. Now, this is similar to one of the gifts of the Spirit, but not exact. Okay, so they will deliver a word of knowledge. If you'll remember the Apostle Paul, while he was arrested and on his way to Rome to visit and go before uh, Caesar, uh, the, he was on the ship. The ship encountered a storm, Acts 27 in uh, verse 21 says this, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. Paul told them, said, don't sail, but they sailed anyway. 
and and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. How did he know that? Here's how, verse 23. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. So the angel brought this information to Paul, and Paul said, "Not nah, guys, you should have listened to me, but it's going to be okay. All right, so the angel brought this word of knowledge, and look at what Paul said, therefore take heart, men, for I believe that it will be just as it was told to me. Okay, and here's number seven, and this one is really exciting. Number seven is angels are going to assist in the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church. Now, one of the reasons that I believe the Lord laid this series, and particularly this portion of messages on my heart, was this, and he told me this. He said, I want you to talk about angels because the closer you get to the coming, the more angelic activity there is going to be. So, and I'm talking about among believers. Now, I want you to think about this. Use your head a little bit. All the stories that we read from the book of Acts, did you ever see any of the Christians that encountered an angel freak out? No, not one of them. You know why? Because it was such a common occurrence. And I believe that through Throughout the church age, over the last couple thousand years, we have not seen that level of activity for a couple of reasons. Number one, the persecution of the church hasn't been that great in the last couple hundred years but in our country, but also we're not aware of them. And what you're not aware of, God is not going to scare the bejeebies out of you. You understand that, don't you? Okay. So let's look at this, Acts chapter one, and we're almost done, verse eight. But you, Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud and received him out of their sight. Now, here's the, the picture I want you to get of what is transpiring. Have you ever been outside and released a helium balloon? And you could watch that balloon go up, 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 up till you couldn't see it anymore. Okay? That's exactly what the Greek says happened here. So Jesus didn't just say, go to Jerusalem, you shall receive power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and he was gone. No, he ascended and they watched him go up till he was out of their sight. Okay, look at what happened. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, obviously angels, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. I want to ask you, when Jesus ascended, who was there to participate in the ascension? Not just Jesus and the disciples, but there were angels that were present. Now, I get, listen to this. Can you imagine? This is what the apostles looked like. And they just stayed there. 
And finally, the angels had to speak to him and say, hey, psst, 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 psst. why are you looking up? Okay, notice what they said, though. This same Jesus who was taken up into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Can I, can I say this to you as a little side note? Uh, the rapture of the church, you know, we misinterpret the scripture. The scripture says we shall all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So in the flash of an eye, your body is going to become, if you're still here, your body is going to become glorified. But it says, then we shall rise and be caught up to meet him in the air. You know why I think it's going to be so shocking to the world when the rapture takes place? They're going to watch us leave. See, we've kind of presented it where it's going to be like, and we're all gone. Kind of like I dream of genie, you know? No, it's not like that. I believe when the trumpet sounds, our bodies are changed, that we're going to ascend and meet the Lord in the air. Because notice what he said. He, in the same manner as you saw him go, he will return. So I believe they're going to watch us go up. Just a little side note, okay? All right? So... Angels were assisting in Jesus' ascension. They will be assisting when he comes to catch away the church. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, last scriptures. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of a what? A who? An archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So let me just give you a quick little lesson about what's going to happen with the rapture. By the way, I'm a pre-trib guy. I believe it's happening before the tribulation. You can stay here and tribulate if you want to. I'm on the first bus load out of here. Okay? All right. So... So at whatever point in time that is, and the Bible says that Jesus doesn't know the hour, the angels don't know the hour, it's only in the heart of the Father, when God leans over and he says, go get the church, that the archangel is going to shout, there will be a trumpet blast, your body will be changed. Now the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Supernaturally, every Christian that has ever died in their body is either buried in the ground, been cremated, is in the bottom of the ocean, has totally decomposed. Somehow, supernaturally, that body is going to be brought back together and it will become what's called a glorified body. There will no longer be blood flowing in the veins. It will be the glory of God flowing on the inside of us. If we are alive, then our bodies will be instantly changed. Now notice this. It doesn't say the earth will open up. It says those bodies will come forth out of the ground. Why? Because a glorified body is more solid than dirt. You remember Jesus could pass through a door once he got his glorified body. And so then we will all be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll go to heaven with him. All right? So that's what we have to look forward to. Now, here's the, the thing that I want you to see, and that is this, that angels are involved in this whole process. 
They will be here to assist you. They will be in heaven to assist you. Then, then, I mean, when all of this takes place, angels are involved. Hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. I want you to, to little side note, to, to, I want you to be thinking about this all week long. We're getting close to this event happening. We're closer than we ever thought. And somebody says, well, you know, pastor, I've heard that all my life. So have I. I'm 58 years old. Since I gave my heart to Christ, well, really, since I was attending the Baptist church when I was about 10 years old, I heard people saying Jesus could come tomorrow. Jesus could come tomorrow. Jesus could come tomorrow. And it would be real easy to, when you're hearing that all the time to grow complacent to it and to kind of just, it becomes like the Charlie Brown teacher, blah, 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 blah. But I want you to know in the day and the time that we are living, prophecy is being fulfilled all the time and we are closer than we ever have been. It could be I don't think it's going to be today. I think we have some things that we need to do first, but it's soon. And my prayer is come quickly, Lord Jesus. But here's the thing. We got to take as many people with us as we can. I, you know what I'm going to do when it comes time for the rapture? I hope I'm in a room. I'm just going to go hang out at the mall maybe when the rapture takes place. I'm going to get in a big crowd of people. And when, when I start to go up, I'm going to grab two or three of them and hold them up in the air and t start taking them up with me and say, now do you want to get saved? I don't know if we could do that. <laughs> you know, maybe that's not the best evangelistic method, but it might work. But angels are involved in all of that process. And I know I've gone a little over, but this has been necessary. And I want us to understand these things and I want us to be aware of it because I don't want you to be caught unawares when we start seeing angelic activity pick up. Amen? Will you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for the word that we've heard today. I thank you that the word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, I thank you that it's fallen on the ground, the soil of these people's hearts, the people of Spring Hill Church. And Lord, I thank you that that seed will grow up and it will produce. It will bring forth a harvest. Father, I thank you for the truths of your word concerning angels, your ministers sent forth to minister for us and to us and to help us. And so Lord, we thank you for that resource that's made available to us. Lord, thank you for all that you do to help us to accomplish your will, plan, and purpose. Father, help us to be ever aware of their presence. Help us, Father, to be aware that they are there to help us and assist us. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you, Father, for the truth of your word that tells us that we are drawing near to the time of your return. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that we're going to purpose in our hearts to be ready. We're not going to be caught unawares like the, the story of the virgins, but Father, we'll be made in purpose in our hearts to be prepared, to be ready, to win as many people to Christ as we possibly can, to touch and change the lives of people, Father, so that none would be lost. And I thank you for it. Lord, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, that the truths that we've talked about would just resonate in our hearts, 
that Father, to know that you care for us and you love us to that degree that you would give us that much help, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. Now, Father, I pray for strength. I pray for peace. I pray for joy. I pray for your power to rise up big on the inside of each and every person that's here. Thank you, Father, for meeting every need, for showing yourself strong on their behalf and revealing, Lord, just who you are and how much you love and care for them in Jesus' name. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.